Reality Radio Entertainment presents Behind the Curtain with your host, Kathy Barrett. Welcome to Behind the Curtain, a show about how we navigate down the not-so-yellow brick road of life. I'm Kathy Barrett, and life is something you shouldn't do alone. So I hope you'll spend the next 30 minutes with me as I reveal what's behind the curtain. I have a couple of announcements to make. First of all, I was one of 5,000 very fortunate people who received a ticket to attend Oprah's Life Class with Deepak Chopra at Radio City Music Hall in New York City yesterday. It was an unbelievable event dealing with the topic of living a spiritual life. I have not been a fan of Oprah's own network, mainly because I don't have the time to watch TV. But I can tell you that after yesterday, I am so on board again because this woman is just fantastic. What I love most about her and what she does is her passion and commitment to see the rest of us live a life that we love. You really get the feeling that she is rooting for us as much as she is for herself. So make sure you tune into the OWN channel. Deepak Chopra was her guest. It was really, really an amazing show. And check your local listings. Mother's Day is coming up, so why not give the gift of hope and help to save a child in mom's name? Make a donation to the Orphan Support League. That's www.orphansupportleague.org, all one word. And $6 will feed a child for one week. $80 will enable a child to attend high school. And 500 will support the children's home for a month. And that's pretty amazing. Bryony Bax is the founder of the Orphan Support League. I know her personally, and I will tell you that every single cent that is donated to this organization goes directly to the children. Uh, last uh, announcement is reserve May 6th for an amazing afternoon with spiritual leader Daddy Jenke at Town Hall in New York City. It's a free event, so for more information about the time and, um, and what's going to be going on uh, during these festivities, call 516-773-0971 or 212 5644335. Okay, this week our show is about same-sex marriage and taxes. Our special guests are Robert S. Barnett and Gregory L. Madelon, both partners in Capel, Barnett, Madelon, and Schoenfeld. Their offices are on Park Avenue in New York City and in Huntington, Long Island. Uh, their website is www.cbmslaw.com. Capel, Barnett, Madelon, and Schoenfeld offers individuals, business clients, and not-for-profit and religious corporations comprehensive legal services in the New York area. The firm is distinguished by its respected skill in estate planning and estate administration, tax law, elder law, and Medicaid planning, commercial and residential real estate, and religious and not-for-profit corporations law. Robert Barnett is a member of the Professional Advisors Committee of the Long Island Community Foundation and of the American Heart Association, and he's also active on both the estate and tax planning committees of the New York State Society of CPAs. Mr. Barnett has written articles on numerous aspects of estate and tax planning and is a frequent contributor to the New York State CPA Journal, the New York Law Journal, and several other publications. He also le uh, lectures as well. And Greg Madelon is a member of Legal, that's L-E-G-A-L, the LGBT Bar 
Association of Greater New York, where he serves as vice chair of the Solo Practitioner and Small Firm Committee, the Nassau County Bar Association, the board of trustees of the Kew Forest School, where he serves as vice chair, and the Lutheran Schools Association, where he serves on the board of directors. Most recently, he was selected to serve on the 2011 Supreme Court Independent Judicial Screening Panel. Both of these gentlemen are very, very accomplished, and they're incredibly busy right now. This is probably their most busiest time. So I want to thank you both for being with me on the program today, both Robert and Greg. I recognize um, how busy you are right now. So the fact that you're coming on, um, I just have so much gratitude for that the listeners have an opportunity to receive all this great advice and wisdom that you're about to share about same-sex marriage and taxes. So thanks for being here. Thank you, Kathy. Good afternoon. And uh, thank you. And so, first of all, I just want to say this is new ground for all of us, and uh, both of you and your firm are at the cutting edge of it all. And so I'm thrilled, again, to be able to offer the listeners um, what we're going to be discussing today. Just to mention to everybody, to date, there are only eight states in the country that recognize same-sex marriage. Uh, They are Massachusetts, Connecticut, Iowa, Vermont, New Hampshire, Washington, New York, and as of January 2013, Maryland will join that group. Greg, could you give us a little background on the federal and New York state laws governing uh, same-sex marriage? Sure. And just before I begin, the lawyer in me has to give a little general disclaimer, if you don't mind. Sure. (laughs) What we're about to present is really a general overview Mm-hmm. And none of what we are saying shall constitute legal and or tax advice to any specific person because each situation is very different and must be reviewed on its own specific facts. As such, our talk today provides a general overview and not specific guidance. Okay, thank well, you. Well, thank you for bringing that up. That's a very good point. Thanks. So what we wanted to talk about is, as you mentioned, there are a number of states that have now passed same-sex marriage legislation. And there's litigation ongoing to overturn Proposition 8 in California, which ended the rights of same-sex couples to marry. And that case provides that no government treatment or legal status affect right, benefit, privilege, protection, or responsibility relating to marriage, whether deriving from statute, administrative or court rule, public policy, common law, or any other source of law, will differ based on the parties to the marriage being or having been of the same sex rather than a different sex. So it's very expansive in New York's law, and it says that, just to explain all that, that same-sex couples will be treated as opposite-sex couples have traditionally been treated Mm -hmm. under the laws of the state of New York. At the same time, the federal government continues to have the Federal Defense of Marriage Act, what's known as DOMA. It remains in effect, and it allows the federal government uh, to not recognize same-sex marriages. DOMA specifically provides that the word marriage means only a legal union between one man and one woman as husband and wife. The word spouse, as used in any federal law, and we'll hear the word spouse be used in the Internal Revenue Code and other laws, it refers only to a person of the opposite sex who is husband or wife. DOMA also permits any state of the U.S. to refuse to give effect to any same-sex marriage recognized in another state. The disparate treatment afforded by states such as New York that allows same-sex marriage and the federal government which does not recognize 
same-sex marriage causes numerous tax issues for the married same-sex couples. It is more important than ever that same-sex couples find competent tax and legal counsel. So since, so let me just summarize this for those that are not of the legal mind here. So since the federal government does not recognize the same-sex um, uh, union, in essence then, and the state does, how, I guess this is a, qu- a question for you, Robert, how is the income tax return structured then? Okay, let's get right down to the uh, the tax part of this. The For federal it, it's a little schizophrenic, mm-hmm. and because for federal purposes, the married same-sex couple is considered single. Each of the individuals are considered single and must file as single taxpayers. And we can talk a little bit more about some options and what some people are doing in that regard a, a little later, time permitting. Mm-hmm. Um, in New York... Uh, because of the new legislation, same-sex couples who are married as of December 31st will be considered married for the entire year. And therefore, they're going to file their returns for New York State purposes using a married status, either married filing jointly or married filing separately. So this means that there will be a, a differential from the federal to New York. In New York, the married status is required. And the the procedure that New York State has adopted is a recomputation. So the couple must recompute their federal taxes as if they were married wow. for federal purposes. And what what they've created is kind of a requirement to prepare a dummy or a or a new federal return on this as if basis this is not filed it's kind of a pro forma mm-hmm. it is not submitted to the IRS it's a little confusing here but it's retained in the files in order to prove the calculations, should there be an audit, there needs to be this trail. This creates a more expensive procedure. Most uh, people are seeing that it does involve more work. Mm-hmm. And um, there's an element in there, but it, it's, it is necessary in order to keep a track and a good, uh, a good trail of what the adjustments were, because uh, there, there could be many. This act is not retroactive, but it will apply, as I said, to those couples who are married on December 31st. Now, what there are states that New York is not a community property state. There are several states. California, for example, is a community property state. And Interestingly, those states were some of the first states that really looked for guidance into some of the tax situations because there were some nuances to that um, uh, how some of these calculations work, and we may have time to get into some of that history. It's actually fascinating. But other than some of the guidance 
that the IRS has issued for these community property states, there really is no federal guidance uh, that is out there. New York State, I must commend them, did jump on this issue very, very quickly once the law was passed and did issue some of these guidances such as the preparation of this pro forma or dummy return. And um, that is, um, uh, I guess, something that uh, that we commend. And, and we'll see more of this and probably more, as, as Greg mentioned, more legislation. Is passed, yeah. Well, in essence, then, it's like they have to file two separate returns, even though it's not being officially filed. But it's you have to create a return for uh, a federal return uh, for married as well as, um, uh, I mean, a state return for married. Wait, why am I saying yeah, this? Well, that's exactly. And and I I understand the confusion because it it is a little mind boggling. Oh, the federal you, return is married. You, your no, your federal return is separate, okay. separate. So you're filing two single. You're checking the box single, single mm-hmm. person. Okay. okay, and you are filing then two separate federals. You are then marrying them and filing as married for New York. Now that mm-hmm. may mean married filing together or married filing separately, but it is on a married uh, uh, template in, in New York. And it's very interesting because it it raises other questions. Th- those are your filing statuses. Right. When you look at a Form 1040, which is the individual income tax return, right kind of below you're indicating that you're a single person, um, you then have... Uh, and it, a, an opportunity to claim dependency exemptions. And this is sometimes confused with married filing jointly, but it is not. It's, it's claiming a dependency deduction. And unmarried, now remember, for federal purposes, you're considered unmarried. Right. So it, it, it is a little bit, you have to go a little bit carefully. Mm-hmm. Domestic partners, so for federally, even though you are married and the state recognizes that marriage, DOMA does not at the federal level. So you are considered domestic partners. Domestic partner may be a dependent. So even though you are filing a single tax return, Mm -hmm. if you can meet the thresholds so that the the, uh, same-sex married couple the other partner, who for federal purposes is considered just a domestic partner, not a spouse, mm-hmm. that partner, if they are supported by the other wage earner and mm-hmm. earn under a very low threshold, for 2011 it's $3,700, may be able to actually be claimed as a dependent mm-hmm. for federal purposes. So as you can see, some of the adjustments and the migrations can be very, very complicated. It is very complicated indeed. And then I I know this is kind of a big topic. We we talked about it earlier, and maybe we were going to bring it up at a different time. But since we are talking about specifically the return at this moment, I know um, GLAD, uh, the um, gay and lesbian advocates and defenders, 
were recommending um, two options for designating marital status on a single return. And they were suggesting to include a cover letter or a disclosure form uh, with the tax return, and the form would uh, basically uh, state that the taxpayer was married to a person of the same sex when they were married, and they would attach a, a marriage certificate with it. And um, that was one suggestion that they said to do. And then the second one was on the tax return itself to put an asterisk by the um, uh, single box and indicate somewhere on the form, maybe in the margin, that the taxpayer is actually married to a person of the same sex, the date of the marriage, and that this designation as single is for federal income tax filing purposes only. How do, I mean, how does that figure into what we were just well, talking about? That, that's very interesting, and and uh, I had not seen the actual wording of that suggestion, but from a technical tax perspective, the issue, and, and I can understand from the philosophical and emotional side, I'm not speaking to that right now. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking as a tax technician. There is a possibility that DOMA gets overturned at some point in time. And important for couples that are married, that are filing separately, to consider protecting the statute of limitations on refund claims. If DOMA were to be declared unconstitutional at some point in the future, I think it's very important to prepare a what we would call in the trade a protective claim for refund. This cannot be done by that sort of a simple statement or objection. It is a formal procedure which you know we could get into at a later date and and there are a lot of cases if you do it wrong your claim will not be accepted. The importance of this is let me give you an example. Three years from now, DOMA is declared unconstitutional. If you, and say the statute of limitations on a return has expired, the normal statute. If before, the, and which is generally, by the way, three years after the return is filed. Mm. If that statute has lapsed, but the couple filed effective claim in a very pr- proper procedural manner, they could retain the ability to go back and claim the benefits and tax advantages of the married status. And that, I think, from a pure technical tax point, really needs to be uh, explained and be more prominent in the news. And it is it, it is a little bit technical. I apologize for that, but the IRS code, as we all know, is yeah. one of the most uh, confusing and uh, and you know technical uh, statutes that we all have to work with. So, I do want to point the listeners to the possibility of filing a protective procedural claim that I think is really important. The other thing as a pure filing uh, mechanism, today, for instance, New York State mandates that preparers use the automated e-filing systems. Mm -hmm. As a procedural matter, I'm racking my brain to try to figure out 
how to accomplish other than in a separate side mailing um, that sort of a tax uh, objection mm. because the computer systems are not designed for that. Right. Okay, so there may be some procedural difficulties for those couples that do want to register uh, a conscientious type objection uh, in, in addition to a formal claim. But let me be very clear. The formal claim procedures are much more involved and do require either filing a 1040X mm -hmm. or a Form 843. And uh, I'll leave it at that because we can go on for the whole talk about protective claims. There's a lot more to go through. Well, that's actually brilliant that you brought that into the fold because that's right. Everything is on the computer right now, so there really isn't a whole lot of opportunity. And if you are mailing it separately, the odds that it's going to get together, <laughs> I would think, uh, with your tax return, I don't know. I would uh, be up nights worrying about that. But it sounds like you guys really have an amazing handle on these laws and um, and how what procedures to follow. So I just want to uh, give your website again. It's www.cbmslaw.com, all one word. And we're talking to Robert Barnett and Gregory Madelon today. Yes, I wanted to briefly mention couples may want to file a new form. It's IT2104, Employees Withholding Allowance Certificate. And New York State, the official uh, documents that they've put out says that if you provide proof to your employer that you're legally married, New York State tax on certain benefits that I think Greg is going to talk more on, health benefits, mm -hmm. which are treated uh, for domestic partners as taxable for federal purposes, are not taxable for New York State purposes. And hence, the uh, the exemptions may may work. Also, you know, by the way, it, 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 it may be good to point out here that in doing the computations, there may be other deductions that then become available and uh, you can take a look at that in in filing these withholding uh, exemption certificates. Similarly, employers really want to become knowledgeable and consider these changes because they're not going to need to withhold New York state and city taxes hmm. on some of these benefits. But again, these are differences from the federal. So that's interesting. And you were talking earlier about um, uh, what the limit was. I think you mentioned it was like thirty-four or $35,000 where one might be able to claim the other as a dependent. How, how do couples avoid, now that are you know, uh, joining incomes together, being pushed into that higher tax bracket? Well, that's a very, very good question and an important question. The, the, uh, there are not always benefits and tax savings to married filing jointly. For example, a married couple with two strong wage earners are generally going to get pushed into the higher brackets. And the, the, let me contrast that with another couple where one is a strong earner and the other maintains a household. Mm -hmm. So there, married filing jointly will generally result in a very significant savings. And so it's very, very interesting how all this is going to uh, 
is going to uh, transpire. But maybe this is a good time for me to um, basically discuss one or two other things because there are other situations and other issues that are present. Mm -hmm. From an asset protection standpoint, people have to be aware that when they file a tax return as married filing jointly, they become jointly and severally liable for those taxes. So if one spouse has been aggressive, let's say, or has some income that they felt didn't need to be reported or some gambling income or sold some assets and and did not report that, the other spouse is liable. Mm. We, uh, on a tax level, deal with concepts of innocent spouse, and uh, they're very, very technical, but they are certain safety mechanisms which are built into the to the law and how some of these will be interpreted from New York versus because we're not going to see that obviously yet on the federal although I predict in time we will mm-hmm. so there's this asset protection aspect in the collection let's say one spouse owes taxes now you are married Federally, I can tell you that the IRS has considered collection possibilities against community property spouses. And uh, it's very, very interesting. So there are benefits here and tax burdens, and getting good tax counsel and advice is always, always important. I could go on about a lot of other issues, but I think we're a little pressed. All right. Well, um, speaking of uh, being pressed, we we only have like three minutes left. However, if you guys can hang in, I would really like to cover a few more topics. I think um, you're right. There's a lot of information to discuss here. We'll probably have you back on the program. And I'd love for you to come back on a regular basis to talk about issues we need to discuss. But um, so can you hang with me for uh, after the show? Sure, we okay. definitely can. Yes. So, listeners, if you're you're listening live, just know that we're going to cut off at 12.30, but you can go into the archives and the entire content of the program will be there. So we're going to continue on now with Robert Barnett and Greg Madelon and, uh, of the uh, uh, firm Capel, Barnett, Madelon, and Schoenfeld, and their website is www.cbmslaw.com. So, uh, Robert, was there anything else you wanted to add to what you were speaking about? Well, no, I I think there'll be an opportunity later and uh, get on. (laughs) All right, Greg, can we just move over to you for a second to talk about uh, the health insurance taxes? Sure. As Robert had mentioned a moment ago, health insurance provided by employers to their employees, their employees' federally recognized spouses, and their employees' children is considered a non-taxable fringe benefit under federal law. Mm -hmm. Health insurance for an employee's domestic partner or same-sex spouse also is a fringe benefit, but it is not deemed exempt from income tax liability by the Internal Revenue Code. And as such, employers must report the value of those benefits as taxable income imputed to their employees. Under New York State law, there would be no New York State income tax on the value of the health insurance provided to the same-sex spouse. What's interesting 
is that Section 2503 of the Internal Revenue Code discusses gifts, and it excludes certain gifts from reducing the gift exemption that each person has. And one of those exemptions is that Section 2503 provides for an unlimited exclusion from the gift tax for amounts paid for medical insurance on behalf of any individual. Mm-hmm. What that means is that one of the same sex, the more moneyed of the same sex spouses, could make a gift and pay for health insurance for the other same sex spouse without that gift reducing his or her uh, gift or federal estate tax exemption. Hmm. Okay, that's that's a good thing to know. It's important for these uh, for the spouses to know that. Sure. And. Um... Robert, what non-tax considerations do you think are important for listeners to know about? Okay, well, I I think I hit on a lot of those before in terms of uh, our, our asset protection and and offering compromise type things. You know, in I didn't mention that in community property states, assets accumulated and earnings made are automatically kind of considered one half each. So in a community property state, you could have certain consequences that won't apply here in New York, but uh, are interesting from both an asset side and a um, and a, a tax side. So that's that's I think very interesting and. Um, There are some things that I know Greg is going to talk about that are related to certain types of assets, and uh, I would um, just wait for those later. That later discussion. Well, since we're let's get get into it, Greg, because no one has mentioned the big D word uh, for one, which is divorce, and how that would be handled um, with same-sex marriages. Divorce, estate planning, and how will the tax lives change, basically? Before we go to divorce, I'm going to ask if we can go to the estate tax issue. Sure. If you don't mind. And it's probably not the most logical since death usually happens last. But but, (laughs) but, but I think the the estate tax consequences are very important. And, you know, when clients sit down with their tax professional to do their income tax planning for the year, I think a lot of income tax professionals do recommend or do ask, do you have a will? Have you thought about estate planning? And so these two coincide nicely this time of year. And um, even though it's April 3rd and people are most concerned about income taxes, the estate tax is something that most people have only heard about in debates on TV. The estate tax is a tax on the transfer of wealth from a decedent. The federal New York State estate tax, tax laws provide to married opposite-sex couples the benefit known as the marital deduction. The marital deduction provides that all assets transferred to a spouse can pass free of federal and state estate tax. Under the New York Act, same-sex married couples can now utilize the marital deduction just as opposite-sex couples have been allowed, but only for New York State estate tax purposes and not for federal tax purposes. This means that when one spouse dies, the surviving spouse can inherit everything free of New York State estate tax. And this is important to know because sometimes 
clients will see practitioners, estate planning practitioners, who are unaware of the differences, the different tax treatment afforded same-sex spouses, and it's important that they consult with the proper professionals. That's really interesting. And, and, and along those lines, there's the issue of joint accounts. Typically, married couples own their bank accounts, brokerage accounts, before they come see us as mm-hmm. joint accounts. Sometimes we recommend splitting them up for tax purposes, but joint accounts is the typical form of ownership for married couples. And when a surviving, uh, well, I'm sorry, when a same-sex spouse, when same-sex spouses own joint property, such as a home or a bank or a brokerage account, on a New York State estate tax return, one half of the valuable of the value of the account is includable in the gross estate of the same-sex spouse in the same manner as it would be for a different-sex spouse. For federal estate tax purposes, however, due to DOMA, it is presumed that the first to die of the same-sex spouses is the sole contributor to that account, and therefore the IRS deems that 100% is included in her estate unless proved otherwise. So it's very important for same-sex spouses for tax purposes to keep records of contribution Mm -hmm. to these joint accounts. In addition, when the accounts are created, the person creating it might be making a gift to the other person on the joint account. That could be a real issue and could cause a potential gift tax. Furthermore, the joint account should be more explicit. It should say whether it's a true joint account as opposed to a convenience account. Oftentimes, families who are unaccepting of the same-sex relationships might attempt to fight a joint account and say, this account was just created simply for the purposes of you assisting my son with this account. Mm. And it wasn't meant for you to really have it. So detailing the purposes of creating the joint account is important. And what is the best way for people to go about doing that? I mean, they come to you, and then is there a separate agreement that's, you know, put together? This is Robert. Hi, Uh, Robert. We've handed the baton. Uh, The answer to that is it really depends uh, there in New York State, there are certain banking laws. It can actually something as simple as a joint account, something as simple as an IRA that everyone has, mm-hmm. really can get rather complex. And there are several ways to do that. If you intend joint tenancy with right of survivorship, you in New York you should really insist. Mm-hmm. that the banking documents themselves from the initial uh, creation of that account, especially if you might have families that are hostile to the, to the union. Wow. And, of course, you know, we're seeing less of that today. People, mm-hmm. people are changing, but it, it, it exists and we can't be blind to it. As as advisors, we try to, what we kind of like to say, bulletproof our clients' plans and make sure that the people they want to benefit are benefited in the way, the best tax way and legal way possible. And we don't have time to get into it, but if if there is time at the end, things mm-hmm. 
like beneficiary designations, very, very important to uh, to to uh, consider. Also, and Greg just wrote me a little note not to leave out mm-hmm. a very important consideration that married persons have other rights and obligations that maybe uh, we'll have time to get into before you know the end or as a, as an addendum, but things like Medicaid and different rules regarding who can inherit. And these are fascinating. Uh, did, did you abandon your spouse? There are all kinds of laws that uh, relate to married couples that uh, we thought would, would, would be interesting. But the Medicaid requirements that married couples support each other and if one needs a long-term care or nursing home uh, is, a, is a very, very, very big uh, potential burden and potential liability. And, and many couples don't get married for certain reasons, and often Medicaid and asset protection issues and tax issues are often on the highest on that list. So these are very important considerations. They cannot often be uh, ameliorated with a prenuptial agreement. Mm. The whole another thing we could discuss wow. regarding, you know, you can see that the tentacles start to get, you know, very, very, very uh, involved. And we do get those calls from clients that want to meet and say, well, should I get married? You know, right, right. It, is a, it is a whole consideration in and of itself. Well, but I think you wanted to mm-hmm. uh, get into divorce areas. Yeah, let's just cover that and then come back to this because I think it's really, you know, what you're both sharing is so important for people to recognize that it's it's great to, you know, that we're able to get married in the state and I understand the emotional celebration, but it really makes sense for taking that into consideration but then to really look at the road you have to walk down and see, you know, which way is really going to be more beneficial to the individuals as well as the couple. And uh, so let's let's talk about divorce because that's got to be even more complicated. Yes, as um, one of uh, my professors uh, has uh, once said, you know, any uh, any marriage can only end two ways: in death <laughs> or divorce. And you know, when one initially laughs and then you think about it. But that's why we thought it was important today to give a flavor for some of the estate consequences on the death side of that. Mm -hmm. But also on the divorce can be extremely complicated. Um, The schizophrenia that prevails in the filing of tax returns is echoed even more so in divorce situations. And quite frankly, many, many divorce practitioners and attorneys that do matrimonial law and accountants that are involved that have been struggling with some of these, and here in New York it's a little early for the divorces, but we're going to start seeing them, they're really scratching their heads if they've even thought about some of the issues. From a tax perspective, it is both a nightmare and a minefield. It is absolutely quicksand, and I'll give you very, very simple examples because we have limited time. But 
They remember the Internal Revenue Code was designed uh, around trying to get a, around certain kind of everyday problems and easing the way. So there's a there is a uh, a section in the Internal Revenue Code, Section 1041, that deals with income tax consequences. And basically, what 1041 says is that. If a same-sex, if a married, I'm sorry, if a married couple, because we know under DOMA it has to be married, opposite-sex couple, right. is, uh, and one woman, one man, they, they needed to put you know that in there, yes. uh, is, is uh, transfers assets. And the, and the technical terminology is incident to a divorce. That is not a taxable event. So let me give you the everyday occurrence. Okay, and um, that is a tax-free uh, pursuant and incident to the divorce, and it takes the same tax basis. So there's no step-ups. The party just goes on owning the house under the same uh, basis that they owned it before. Mm-hmm. Now let's change that to a same-sex couple. 1041 doesn't apply. So you now have a taxable event, uh-huh. and it is not readily apparent. People are not thinking about it, but it gets worse. It gets worse. And when we're talking about a high-ticket item like a house, I mean, they, we're talking about substantial money at this point. Absolutely. And, and these these numbers are going to be staggering, and I guarantee you there will be matrimonial people that are not tax-versed that fall into this trap until it is sufficiently public public knowledge and that's going to take a while let me give you another for instance mm-hmm. let's say in new york we have something called equitable distribution and that is a basically says that assets accumulated during a marriage are equitably distributed so let's say 50 50 so let's say we have a same-sex couple and they have now accumulated several rental properties maybe a little business some uh, good assets, uh, and they have invested wisely and well. Mm-hmm. And they get divorced. So they decide to split these up. You now have income tax benefits, uh, rather detriments, income tax detriments to what the, the state never anticipated. Not at the state level, but at the federal level because mm-hmm. of DOMA. Now, this is incredibly difficult, and we are going to see a tremendous amount of litigation on how do you divide these assets, how do you consider the tax effects, and uh, these are going to be when parties divorce, usually they're not communicating well together, and there's a <laughs> lot of animosity, and so you are going to find the matrimonial lawyers and the judges dealing with asset computations that are different from what they've dealt with before and adding a tax computation into what is already a quagmire, as you can see, is is going to really ratchet up not only the costs but the the uh, the uncertainty. Moreover, there are gift tax consequences that I will spare the listener that also make this even more complicated. 
So you can see that the the aspects of death, divorce, and marriage, you know, are with DOMA, you know, is is a very unworkable. It is a very unworkable situation. The these laws were not made to encompass. They were not designed to encompass these situations. And we're going to see, in my opinion, we're going to see a lot of challenges over the years, uh, I think, in, on a consistent basis if, if this law manages to withstand constitutional challenge. Uh, we're going we're to see consistent challenges to this because it, there are going to be many people that feel this is, this is unconstitutional. But there just seems like layers and layers and layers of uh, things that haven't been truly resolved as they should have been, and it's and it's thrown out there to people now. And I can see that it's going to be nothing but lawsuits down the road. So let's hope for well, in terms of lawyers, yes, I can see where you would want more lawsuits. But in terms of, uh, you know, I just really hope that people take this information and and let it register and and make the move um, out of, you know, intellect as well as the emotional need to have a union. There's a lot of other things to consider, rightly so, from what you've been sharing with us. So I I guess we're going to have to wind up now. What what else would you guys like to to talk about? I'll throw it back to you. Well, I, I think in in summary, we can certainly, uh, and we would welcome your invitation to come back, talk about some special assets. We could talk about IRAs. We can talk about estate planning and life insurance. There are many ways to try to uh, get around some of these disadvantages. And the lack of the marital deduction, the lack of these protections that are afforded in the Internal Revenue Code among spouses which DOMA so literally and, and, and you know, uh, carves that definition so narrowly just creates a huge inequity mm-hmm. and a huge double standard that is um, something that is very, very difficult to work around. But there are techniques and we could do an estate planning particularly, or we could get into marital rights and obligations and maybe even invite one of our brethren uh, to uh, to join us to talk about prenups and postnups and things of interest, uh, I think, to the to the whole community, because as, as, all these things do have, uh, uh, I think, universal appeal. But I hope that we can give our summation as saying we intended to provide an overview of the more important considerations. Uh, I hope we have uh, we've done so. Each, each person deserves their own independent investigation, and they need to explore these avenues with experienced CPAs and, and counsel. And uh, I'll kind of leave it at that. Uh, Greg, would you like to share anything? Uh, thank you, Kathy, for allowing us to participate in this. And um, no, I don't have any more. Well, I also want to say that I think you both did a masterful job at outlining uh, the steps 
that people should really begin to take to make sure that their affairs are in order. And you did offer several different options and alert us to things that we should be looking at immediately before we start filing our tax returns, those that have legalized their same-sex marriage. I think you should come back and um, do a whole series. I would love to do that. I think it's important information, especially since it's really not being done out there uh, to the level that we'd all like to see it. Uh, be done. And so I just want to mention the firm again, and you cannot be in better hands with Capel, Barnett, Madelon, and Schoenfeld. You were listening to Robert Barnett today and Greg Madelon. Gentlemen, it's been a privilege to have you on the program today. This is really complicated stuff, and you did, like I said, a masterful job guiding our listeners. If you want to contact them again directly, read about all of their credentials and all the good charitable work that they do for their communities. The website is www.cbmslaw.com. I can't wait to have you both on the program. We'll talk off the air about producing a series because I think it'll be great. Go to uh, www.gobehindthecurtain.com. If you have specific topics that you'd like to see us discuss on the show, just write in. Let me know about it. I'm glad to uh, try to accommodate you. So anyway, gentlemen, thanks again. It's been an honor to have you on the program. Thank you. Next week, Finding Your Personal Power with guest Juliana Linden. Juliana is a certified life coach with a master's degree in marriage, family, and child counseling. She is an author and teacher and the host of a weekly radio show, Connect with Juliana. So great to have you along on this journey with me. Thanks for tuning in. This is Kathy Barrett sending you a virtual hug from behind the curtain. I'll be back next week, and I hope you'll tune in. Peace. Thank you.